You're listening to the Just Means Less ACC podcast with your host, Micah and Nick from Fifth Quarter ACC. Nick, I just got back about half an hour ago from uh, the upset of the weekend. So uh, obviously we'll, we'll kind of talk college football in the grand scheme of things here later, but uh, I'm doing great. I'm so glad. I know I, on the last pod, I, I questioned what game I should go to. Looking back on it, I definitely chose the best one. So uh, no complaints on my end for sure. But uh, how, how are you doing? Obviously, in terms of our ACC teams, I mean, of course, our mutually second favorite team, Wake, did not lose. So obviously they didn't win, but they didn't lose. So that's promising. Uh, but your pack and my who's look pretty good this weekend. So how are we doing, Nick? I know uh, you're not doing all that great because obviously the Giants kind of got screwed by Major League Baseball. But uh, anyways, besides that, how you doing? Uh, I'm good. I was really happy to see a- NC State definitely made me feel better. With that was a huge, huge win. They needed a beat down like that uh, at some point in this season. And what better way to do it than against Boston College, who is a team that is competing in the Atlantic and they take a step step back in the standings, so it looks a little bit less threatening right now for other teams like Clemson and Wake and obviously State. But uh, I'm okay. That was that was a tough night for me. I I, I could not believe that happened. Uh, those of you who don't know, I am a huge San Francisco Giants fan. That's like my number one team in the whole wide world. I've been rooting for them ever since I was little. I was born in San Francisco. My dad worked at Candlestick Park where the Niners and the Giants used to play. Uh, my whole family San Francisco Giants fan, so I'm diehard to the bone, to the core. And to lose to our rivals like that's the first playoff meeting ever, and the fact that it had to be done by an awful call by the umpire is not only the worst way to end the Giants season like that, but even if you're a baseball fan just in general – how can you end an incredible series on a missed check swing call? That was such an awful way to end that series. I would have felt better uh, if Wilmore Flores had just swung and missed, and that way I would have closure, but I have no closure because every pitch matters. Who knows? Could have hit a triple or a double or a single or whatever. The inning could have continued, uh, but – yeah, that was that was very very hard, and I don't know what the Giants do now because that was a season unlike any other, a season that I did not see coming. I was hoping to at least get eighty wins out of that team, but anyway, I know I'm going on a tangent here, but that that just that sucked. That was so bad. Um, it was actually kind of funny, Micah. My uh, my brother, I was talking to him yesterday, and he's like, "What are the odds that?" You know, we're from across the country. We were born in California. We grew up in North Carolina. And our college baseball team and our professional baseball team both got screwed in the same year. And then I went out to go see some college buddies uh, last night to go watch the state game in downtown Winston. And my best, one of my good friends who I went K through eight with and we went to state together said the same thing. He knew that I was a huge Giants fan ever since we were kids. And he was like, you know what's weird, Nick? The fact that our college baseball team and then your professional baseball team got screwed in the same year. How? What are the odds? And I was like, bro, 
I don't know. Um, but is, yeah, I, I'm definitely something. <laughs> that is definitely something that I don't think anyone has ever experienced before, but whatever. Um, other than that, I'm okay. I'm kind of over it. Uh, it gave me a little, I, it made me a little bit happier that everyone on Twitter and uh, online and everything all agreed that that was a bullshit call that he, Wilmer Flores didn't swing and the game shouldn't have ended like that. So that gave me a little relief, but would have loved to have some closure on the game. But yeah, we had a great live, college football week, though. And watching it live, too. I mean, that was, I mean, oh, again, yeah. I, I can't remember who the announcer was. I, I'm so bad with knowing who's who, unless it's like Joe Buck or something like that. And I know it wasn't Joe Buck. I think but it was like, Brian Anderson. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And it's just like, like even he was just appalled looking at it live. Cause like, even cause like, you know, one of those things that I always will say, if it's close at that point in the game, you let it go. But when it's not even close, you definitely can't ring him up. Like I thought he went like, this is the problem. And again, well, this is, I'm going to tie it back to college football real quick. People complain about the college football base, college football playoff setup. I think major league baseball has the most fucked system. In, in all of sports. In what world? I mean, hockey kind of happens, but there's also the top three. So, like, yeah, if you finish fifth in your division, you shouldn't be able to be the five seed kind of thing. But, like, in baseball, like, I'm sorry, we should not have had the two – like, the AL East teams and the NL West teams should not have been meeting in the first fucking round. Like, that is just – like – I'm a big believer of, you know, if you're going to have this wild card thing and you want to make it this one game crap, which is fine, whatever. It, it does make that one game. Like I, I definitely tune into the wild card games a lot more now because it's one and done. So I'm going to watch it. But at that point, then, for example, with the Dodgers beating, um, more, no, not Milwaukee. Who'd they beat? I'm drawing a blank now. Who'd the Dodgers beat? Cardinals. Uh, the Dodgers Cardinals. beat the Cardinals. I knew it was a team from the Central. And they beat the Cardinals. Like, okay. The Giants should be able to then pick their opponent as the top seed. And you know for a fact they're not going to pick the second-best team in baseball with the L.A. Dodgers based off of records. So you're going to grab – so then you grab Atlanta. And you know what, Atlanta? I'm sorry, but that's what you get for going winning – you know, you won your division, great, congratulations. But karma's a bitch. Like, you got to win more than 85 games. Like, the fact that the Dodgers – I mean, I know you don't like them, but credit to them, they have to go on the road – to the stupid Braves who won 85 games. Here's me hating on Atlanta, but again, it correlates over to the AL side too. Like the Red Sox should not have had to, like the Red Sox and Rays should not have been that meeting in the first round. Like that should not have been a thing. Like that should have been Tampa. It should have been what we're seeing in the ALCS right now is what we should have been seeing in the ALDS. Like with the Red Sox versus Astros. Yeah. Again, credit to both the underdog wildcard teams for getting a run. But I also think you're almost rewarding the wild card team because you get you get momentum by winning that wild card game, regardless of what people say. Oh, they have to use extra arms. There's a momentum to that where you know the Dodgers or excuse me the Giants and the Rays were off a couple days. So again, that's my tangent. College football supposedly has a crap playoff, and they do. But I think Major League Baseball has the most flawed, stupid system. Because again, like the NFL, you can still make the excuse like. If you finish first in your division, that's fine. Like it is terrible when like a seven and nine Washington football team can host a playoff game, but it's just one host. Like they're only going to host once kind of thing. It's not like it's a real long-term benefit. And normally it's not a complete, like, you know, again, again, it's not like a 20 win gap or a three or four win gap. Normally it's like 10 and six versus seven and nine. And that's not in my opinion, as bad as again, a 
hundred win team having to play another hundred win team while a ninety win team gets to play an eighty. Like what? That's just so that's so screwed. Like baseball, you're, you're a longevity sport, but then you make your playoffs to where you punish the teams for long like for longevity. Like so dumb. Yeah, I was gonna say it is kind of like that in the NFL too, but you know it used to not be like that not too long ago. So like it used to be if you're if two teams came out of the same division. They were not allowed to play each other in the first round of the playoffs. So, for example, I always refer back to this. We'll talk about this real quick, and then we'll move on. In 2010, when the Giants made the playoffs, they went on to win the World Series. Mm -hmm. Two teams came out of the NL East. It was the Phillies who won the division and the Braves who won the wild card. And the Phillies had the best record. The Braves had the worst record. But they couldn't play each other because they were in the same division. So the Giants ended up playing the Braves and the NLDS in 2010. But, yeah, that is a fair point. But uh, yeah. I, I let's let's go ahead and make myself happy again. Let's let's talk some college football. RIP did the Giants season. It was a great one, but very curious to see what happens next with them. I agree. Here's what we're going to do. I have not told Nick this. I'm changing this up, how we want to do the podcast, because I really – I've really enjoyed, and we've gotten some feedback. So thank you to everybody that's either sent me personally feedback or to the page or talked to Nick. You know, they've enjoyed our conversation. I think the more I listen to podcasts, the more I realize I want a genuine conversation. I just don't want like reading, reading, reading. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, we're going to go through all the scores of the ACC, and then I'm going to let you take us where you want to go first, Nick, because I think that's probably the best way to do it. Preview wise, let's go game by game because then it's an order. People can know where to find the preview of the game they want. But in a weekend of ACC football, most people want to hear all of it. So, anyways, Friday night, we had Clemson struggling again, winning 17-14 against Syracuse. Uh, it's out of order because my favorite team always gets to be first on the list. Actually, this might be in right order because of time. Virginia, 48-0 over Duke. North Carolina, 45. Miami, 42. And what was a weird, weird game. Pittsburgh, 28. Virginia Tech, 7. And then your pack, the NC State Wolfpack, 33. Boston College 7. Nick, where do you want to go first? I think we should start with that Friday night game. I think we got to talk about Clemson-Syracuse a little bit because I was working late Friday night at my radio station because I had to produce high school football. And so I was giving score updates and everything uh, about, around you know high school and then college and then whatever was having the baseball playoffs. As soon as I leave, my phone is blowing up because of you, <laughs> because of our Twitter account. So I think it's an interesting conversation because I really want I think we should start off with that conversation on what you discussed on Twitter. And then we should talk about the game. Well, why don't we talk about the game first? And then I think you should make your point on what you were saying on our Twitter page. So um, let's start with Clemson Syracuse. I like it. All right. Well, I think my point ties into the game. You know, Clemson, of course, wins this game. DJ Uyunglele has no confidence right now. I, you can see if you, like, if you went through and clipped probably two or three plays every game this season, you could create a sick highlight tape for DJ Uyunglele that may, makes you think he's a Heisman Trophy candidate for next season. The problem is there's only two or three clips a game because he just – I think he lacks confidence, and and I genuinely think that Tony Elliott and this Clemson team, like, I don't know if you saw some of the guys on Twitter, because, again, you were working, kind of blasting this um, 
Clemson play calling because they were running QB draw after QB draw after QB draw after QB draw. Like, I literally thought I was playing – like, when I first started playing NCAA as a kid because I always had it on easy, and I figured out that if I had a mobile quarterback, I could just run to the outside or then cut it back to the middle every once in a while and gain six yards consistently and just score touchdowns and burn the clock. Like, that's what Clemson was doing. And, again, I get it. DJ Oyungle has struggled. But they're not really giving him any chances. Like, I just – I don't understand right now with Clemson, the offense. But – and this is going to – I won't make my point just yet, but just to kind of tie it in. What have we seen from Clemson that makes you think that they're any worse than Iowa or any worse than Oklahoma State? Or any worse than, you know, some of these top 25 teams like Purdue, who just beat Iowa. Like, I don't understand. Like, I understand. Like, it's almost like Clemson's getting punished because when people think Clemson, like, you know, in recent years, they picture this high-powered, great offense that's blowing out every ACC team. And they're not doing that anymore. But why the fuck does Iowa get to be number two or even number 11 right now after losing? The loss to Purdue is worse than a loss to NC State or Georgia. But yet, Iowa's getting credit because they've done what exactly? They beat a team with a backup quarterback. They beat a one in five Indiana team. They beat Iowa State, who I think justifiably looks a lot better. And that is a pretty good win. But you know why they're beating these teams? It's definitely not Spencer Petrus. If you want a quick summary of my impressions being at the game, it, no, one, no one gets to see the video, but Nick can see me. I'm rocking my Purdue hat, the one I rocked yesterday in beautiful Iowa City. It was – I Purdue had the perfect game plan. And this is a – I kind of wanted to bring it up when we talked Louisville, but I guess we won't talk them because they were on the bye this week. But Jeff Brom – out-coached the crap out of Kirk Ferentz. What Jeff Brom did, because they had a bye week before playing Iowa this week. I don't know if you know that, Nick, or not. But mm-hmm. yeah. they, what they did was incredible because you could see it. As someone that watches and loves college football and knows you know, knows enough about Iowa to kind of be like, obviously, how does Iowa kill you? Cause turnovers. Whenever Purdue did not have their first or second read when their quarterbacks, and by the way, quarterbacks, they used three different quarterbacks in the game, which was incredible to me because they had a mobile one. They had kind of like an in-betweener, and then they had their gunslinger, who was their main quarterback, O'Connell. They basically, you could tell Jeff Brom all bye week was like, when we play Iowa, if your first two reads are not there, throw the damn ball 20, 20 yards into the stands. And I kid you not, there were five or six passes that landed in the stands where fans were catching balls because Iowa or Purdue knew that if they turned the ball over at all against Iowa, they were screwed. And in the red zone, what did they do? The same thing. They checked or they threw it out of the back of the end zone, or they ran the ball on jet sweeps to kind of create a little bit of space and then hopefully get a dump off for a two or three yard pass. Obviously it helps when you have David Bell, but like, they tried to force Iowa to drive the field. Just kind of like what we're seeing with, like, why Clemson is struggling. What, is, what did Syracuse do? They tried to make Clemson drive the whole field, and they're not able to do it. The same thing with Iowa. So that's the, like, Clemson-Pitt this week. If Pitt can just take a page out of Syracuse's playbook, I think Pitt's going to blow out Clemson, to be completely honest with you. If they can do that. I don't know if they're going to be able to do it, but if they do, because 
that's the problem right now is Syracuse has a very good defense. But Clemson, again, Clemson's defense, if, if Clemson had, let, let's be honest, if Clemson had Kelly Bryant, like the Kelly Bryant that, you know, we, Clemson had a few years ago, they're probably a playoff team right now. Like DJ Uyunglele was, I mean, I understand he had shoes to fill and he started slow. I mean, again, if DJ Uyunglele does not throw a pick six against Georgia, do you know what that score would have been? Six to three Clemson, because they were in field goal range for BT Potter. Like, this is not a bad Clemson team. Offensively, they are bad. But you know what? There are a lot of top 25 teams right now whose offenses are very suspect. You know, I understand that Purdue put 24 on Purdue's defense, like credit to them. But Purdue is currently ranked and scored 14 against Minnesota. They scored 14 against uh, Notre Dame. Like, it's not like Purdue is this juggernaut offense either. Like, there are a bunch of teams. Like, the teams with the best offense right now are mainly these group of five teams like SMU and UTSA and Coastal Carolina, Cincinnati. Like, it's just – I can't stand the Clemson hate. Like, so I guess well, – I might as well just make my point at this point. Like, Syracuse is a much improved team from what we saw last year. They're much – I mean, obviously they had that success a few years ago. Um, but they're – this is – like – this just shows you the floor of the ACC has risen drastic amount. And people say, oh, well, top to bottom. Yes, our top has gone down. That is clear as day. Our best team is Wake Forest or NC State. And that's not great because NC State kind of ruins our top thanks to losing Mississippi State. But Wake Forest hasn't beat anybody yet. Minus really their best wins, of course, are just a list of ACC opponents. But when the rest of the conference is so middling, that should tell you something. And people go, well, oh, Duke. Yeah, they beat the bottom of every single P5 conference they've played. And I guarantee you line up Arizona against Duke, Duke's taking care of business. Like, you line up Mandy against Duke. Duke's saying, yes, I get it. Should we pride ourselves on that? No. But as a conference, we got so tired of Clemson being the king. Well, yes, Clemson has helped make that gap smaller. Absolutely. But the rest of the conference is better. Like, just because Virginia Tech, Miami, North Carolina, and Clemson, the four teams you thought were going to be good, are not very good, does not mean that. Like, that was the argument that drove me nuts was, oh, Miami's not very good. UNC is overrated. Okay, guess what? Those teams are overrated. But why don't you talk about the underrated teams, like Wake and State and BC beating a Mizzou team who, yes, Mizzou's not very good, but Boston College isn't our top half of the ACC anymore, in my opinion. Like, they – Boston College is kind of proving that they're just like a probably a six and six, seven and five team this year. Like that's what I learned this weekend from them when we talk about that game. But it's like, it's ridiculous to me that people just, again, don't want to, again, I'm not saying that we need a ton of credit. I think we're the fourth best of the five power five. Like, I don't think we're, I don't think we're better than the big 10 or the big 12 or the sec, but we are a still better than the pac 12, but two, like it's a deep con. Like the fact that, Going in, like, we have now have, I mean, obviously we're not previewing next week's games, but next week's games are huge. I mean, we've got huge games for the Coastal and bowl eligibility. We've got huge games for just the conference in general. I mean, Syracuse-Virginia Tech is the definition of which season's over. Because if Syracuse goes to Virginia Tech and wins, you're, you're going to tell me this Hokie team's not going to quit or Fuente's not going to have a job or is still going to have a job? If they lose three straight home games, 
Like Boston College, Louisville, that's a big bowl eligibility game. Your pack going to Miami, Virginia hosting Georgia Tech. Those are huge games all around the ACC. And like the best part is, I mean, of the games I just told you, is there a single game where you're locking up a team to win? I'm not. Like, I don't think there's a single game on the slate this weekend. Clemson Pitt, like minus UMass at Florida State, but God, it wouldn't shock me one bit if Florida State decides to Florida State a little bit. Granted, it's UMass. I think Jacksonville State is better than UMass, but I mean, Wake Forest and Army. That, that's a sleepy good game. Army just took Wisconsin to the wire at Camp Randall. And now you're telling me Wake's got to go play that team? Thank God Wake Forest got a bye week to prepare for the option and gets a great – like, I guarantee you Wake Forest had a watch party yesterday on campus with the football guys, and they watched that entire Wake Army game. Because – or, excuse me, Wisconsin Army game. Because 90% of that Wake Forest team was on the team last year that lost that Duke's Mayo's Bowl team to the exact same Wisconsin team. that Like, the Wisconsin team that played in the Duke's Mayo Bowl is pretty much the exact same team that played Army this weekend. So you can't tell me that Wake Forest didn't say, hey, guys, remember what happened last year against Wisconsin? Well, Army just played them better. And here's what Army did to have – like, here's what Wisconsin did to slow Army. But on the flip side, like, here's what Army did to slow Wisconsin. Granted, Wisconsin's offense is not the same as Wake Forest. But we can't pretend, like, you know, that, Wisconsin, that Wake Forest is just light years better than Wisconsin. <laughs> so, again, this is just, it's frustrating because the ACC is just getting a lot of unnecessary flack but yet Purdue who's four and two with a barely big win over Oregon State early in the year and then again they beat Iowa but yet why are we crediting Iowa like and the best part is all I've heard on the podcast listened to driving back today Nick which is a five and a half hour drive from Iowa City where I live all I heard was Iowa's not very good Iowa's definitely overrated and why the fuck are we ranking them in the top 15 still like if that's the case, then you're then throw out the resume argument. Like, if you don't think they're good, like I think Iowa's pretty good, but if you don't think they're good, take them out. Like, just take them out. But anyways, rant over for the ACC's argument. Anything you want to add on this game? I <laughs> uh, or my argument that, or my argument either or. <laughs> just that I agree with you. I think the bottom of the ACC has definitely improved, which I I tend to like more than being top heavy. Uh, because we still got teams that can compete. We still got Wake, we still got State, and we still got Pitt. There are three teams that could possibly make a run here. Um, Clemson needs to figure it out, uh, because I'm telling you this, I'm putting all my money on Pitt right now. That t- Pitt looks scary. It looks scary good. Um, Syracuse, very improved. I love it, uh, and I also agree with you that I will take our bottom ACC team over any bottom power five team uh, to win. So, I mean, Duke has already beaten the two uh, bottom dwellers of the big 10 and big 12. I mean, I would take Duke over Arizona and Vanderbilt any day of the week. Um, And I think because like, I don't know. I think because a lot of the, uh, a lot of the notion that Clemson isn't very good and they're not going to be top 25 right now is all preseason and stuff like that because, or I think, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I think it's over-exaggerated on how bad Clemson actually is. I think they're still a good team. I mean, dude, they're still 
They're still in the hunt for the Atlantic. Okay. They just got another conference win. Uh, they're not going anywhere. Uh, I think because like, I don't know, the hype around Iowa, they beat Penn State and all this, you know, college football is a mess right now, but I won't get into it because you basically explained it. And I, I pretty much agree with you on almost every point. Um, I, it is kind of shocking. I thought, I guess the committee didn't want to put Clemson in the top 25 because they still believe Syracuse is not a good team which I don't believe to be true. I think Syracuse, they're not a good team, but they're a much improved team. They're not the Syracuse from before. So um, it will be interesting to see how these two teams turn out because Clemson has probably their toughest opponent since NC State next week. And Syracuse, man, I wouldn't be surprised if they went into Blacksburg and won. So um, very interesting game. And a two, uh, It's funny how like, how close this game was and you look back in the preseason this one team was number one in the Atlantic the other team was the bottom dweller of the Atlantic and how close it was is very funny to me but I'm all good to move on yeah I mean you mentioned it I mean obviously we're not doing a preview but it's a perfect correlation over to that Pitt Virginia Tech game I mean because again it's kind of cool because actually Clemson Syracuse Pitt Virginia Tech, I mean, not that it's actually a, a play-in game, but if you look at it in the terms of a bracket, Clemson beat Syracuse, Pitt beat Virginia yeah. Tech, Clemson plays Pitt, Virginia Tech plays Syracuse. So it just worked out kind of funny that way. I mean, obviously that's not the plan of the ACC schedule, but it is, it is still pretty funny that that's kind of how that played out. And I mean, again, kind of funny, Georgia Tech beat Duke. They get a bye. Duke then has to play Virginia to prove their point. Well, Virginia wins, so now they got to play Georgia Tech. Just kind of yeah. makes sense, right? It's a weird. Yeah. I I think the football, like the football people, maybe maybe college football is rigged because maybe they wanted to like, you know, this this is their hint that it's rigged. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> but anyways, like Pitt took care of took care of Virginia Tech. Now I didn't get to watch any of this game live because it's the same time as um, Iowa Purdue. And to be honest, like I was way having having a blast, like. When I say I was a Purdue fan this weekend, like, I mean, I've been to Purdue a couple of times for games. And I, I, I have, growing up, Purdue was actually one of my favorite, like, Big Ten teams to watch. I loved Drew Brees in college. Um, yeah, that's how old I am, I guess. I was, like, five or six when he was playing in college. But, like, still, you know, it was one of those things where, anyways, I was a big Purdue fan for the weekend. I didn't watch. And I also didn't have any service. Like, Iowa City, Iowa, probably the worst place to be on game day. Like, there was no service whatsoever. Like, I was a mile from the stadium parked, and I still couldn't get service. It was pretty nuts. So I only was getting – thank thank God I turned on notifications before I left for Iowa City for all the games. So at least my phone had enough service to give me, you know, score updates on my phone. I did watch the condensed game last night when I got back from my hotel. I mean, Virginia Tech was never in this game Mm-mm. at all. Like, no. I mean, I don't – Nick, if you watched it live, I'll let you maybe do some more responses to it, but – from what I picked up just watching the condensed game and my brother was at the game. He said it was one of the most boring games he's ever attended. And then mm-hmm. getting on Twitter later and just seeing the Virginia tech fans were hearing about fans leaving in the third quarter. That's not like that stuff. My Virginia fan base does not Virginia tech, like leaving early, not being energetic. I heard Henry Sandman was kind of lame. And again, this is all coming off of, I mean, what happened with the student section? I don't know if you saw that, you know, they were kind of trampling people and stuff like that. People were just, mm rushing in not good like that definitely needs to be fixed 
but limiting student attendance is probably not the way to do it, or at least not be blaming the students for your, again, I get it. It's a national wide thing. It's hard getting people to work right now, but you can't blame the students, drunk college students for being impatient little pricks and making it difficult to get inside the stadium. Again, not acceptable behavior, but why are you going to like be like, yeah, it's your guys' fault that we're going to limit student attendance. Like I heard it was almost a ghostly atmosphere at Lane Stadium. I had a friend who he went to that first half for some reason. I don't know why he did this. He lives up kind of by Charlottesville. Went to the first half of Duke, Virginia, and then drove down and got there like right at kickoff for Virginia Tech. I don't again, I don't know how he pulled that off because one was a 1230, the other was a 330, but it's only a two-hour drive, but still like I don't know how he did it, but he said he did it. He told me it was dead. Like he thought the Virginia game that had like 20,000 less people had a more lively atmosphere than Lane Stadium. Like that's concerning. Like, is that because, so wait, is this ticket thing real? Is that because they didn't allow as many students this time? They, they didn't allow as many students. I have no idea, like, if that was why it was dead, but that's just my prediction was they did limit, like, how many students and, like, how the students could get in. Like, oh, wow. Kind of I didn't know like, that. The atmosphere kind of got killed on that front. Like, it was all negative news all week. Yeah. And then, like, the only, the only, po- I don't even know if it's a positive thing because at the end of the day, it's all negative. But the only, I guess, maybe bright spot is at least this is the first time this year Virginia Tech fans can, can, go back and just say, yeah, we lost the game from start to finish. Unlike West Virginia and Notre Dame, where it's like they should have won. Like this game, they were just straight outplayed. Like, yes, Pitt was scary. I mean, I think Pitt's a very good team. But the Pitt team we saw yesterday, I mean, again, I didn't watch it live, so I didn't get the, the full feel of how the game was going. But it just kind of felt like Pitt was just going through the motions, in a sense. Like they were just playing their game and Virginia Tech had no life at all and that's that's like we talked about the quit at Virginia Tech I I mentioned you know back in the preseason preview that Virginia Tech would start to quit after the Notre Dame loss if things kind of started to spiral like Virginia Tech hold on let me double check this before I before I speak out of out of turn here Virginia Tech is only a three and a half point home favorite against Syracuse this weekend Mm-hmm. that's as like i'm a virginia guy i i again i i get a positive whether virginia tech is good or bad because if they're good then if virginia loses it's not as bad but if they're terrible it's kind of funny because of course it's your rival you you don't mind when your rival loses but this is like kind of concerning and as an ac fan i'm very concerned about virginia tech right now because like again we we, we are seeing on a week by week basis like that the decisions that that coaching staff has made have been really bad. And this week, they just weren't up. They weren't awake. They didn't play good ball. We got guys like there are there are kids in that Virginia Tech locker room, Trey Turner, Jack. Like there are guys that are giving their all and doing it. Jermaine Waller doing an incredible job right now of playing good football. But as a whole unit and in the way their coaching staff is putting them in the situations to succeed, oh wait, they're not doing that at all. It's like I honestly I mean credit to Pitt. You won, you're up 28-0 and you won 28-7. So like credit to you. A win is a win. You went to Blacksburg and you won by three scores. That's awesome. But I'm not walking away like, 
any extra impressed with Pitt. Like I've always been high on Pitt. Like I'm not any more excited about Pitt after this weekend. Like I didn't get any extra confidence boosts or anything like that from them. I think they're a good football team. I think they're going to be Clemson still. But I took away that Virginia Tech is in trouble. And if they lose to Syracuse, Nick, I know we're not previewing it, but if they lose that game, this season's over. Like, yeah, I'm not, I don't mean over as in like, yeah, I think they're out of the coastal race anyways now. But like, it's over, over. Like, mm-hmm. bowl game. Like last year, they opted out of a bowl game to end the streak. So they had like the asterisk, but now the streak is legitimately over for the bowl because they're not going to get invited if they continue this. They're not like it's. Oh, I, I genuinely feel bad for tech. I, I really do. And that's coming from a Virginia fan. I genuinely feel bad for them. But what were your takeaways watching this live? Cause you got hopefully a better feel of the game, or maybe I was kind of spot on just from my, my quick observance of a 20 minute condensed game video. <laughs> No, you're right. This was a very boring game. Virginia Tech did not show up. Um, I was kind of afraid about this for, uh, for Virginia Tech because of the emotional game and the tough game they played last week against Notre Dame. You would, you were, The questions were running in my head, like, are they even going to show up? Like, do they realize, like, hey, this is another big, if not bigger game, because this is going to decide our fate in the Coastal. And uh, – yeah, it was just straight up boring. Uh, Pitt did what they had to do. They played well, played great defense all around. Uh, Kenny Pickett looked pretty good. Uh, I mean, it really could not have gone – I mean, 28-7, to 7, it really could not have gone any more boring than that, to be honest with you. Uh, I didn't watch too much of it. I flipped it back on here and there. Uh, honestly, I was watching more of the Purdue game uh, seeing if I could find you, Boy, but, uh, baby. yeah. Um, but look, that, that, that kind of sucks for Virginia tech. I think honestly, their season is pretty much over with, uh, obviously they can still make bowl eligibility, but as for the coastal, I think now it's a two team race in the coastal. Um, I think Pitt is far, I think they are finally well-deserved thing for that top 25 spot i think they got up to 23 today um or no i'm so, yeah, yeah is it 23? 23 yeah okay um i mean you you'd have to wonder like if that western michigan game if they didn't lose that game they could be like a top i honestly think they could be a top 15 team if they just handled business against west or western michigan i think they I definitely would be it was only a matter of time because after that Western Michigan loss, you look at their schedule, you're like, okay, they can, they can still win these games because they played Tennessee right after, right? Or was the Tennessee game Tennessee before? Tennessee was before. Was but, before, okay. Yeah. So they you knew New that Hampshire they – after after and they blew them out like 90 to nothing or whatever. Right, right. So you knew like after the Tennessee game and they, they would have a lot of momentum going in. That's a great Tennessee team that they beat. I mean, I don't know if you watched the Tennessee Ole Miss game, which, by the way, that game had, was that game was insane. That was a great – I've never seen anything like that. Lane Kiffin getting hit with a golf ball is so funny. But um, Pitt's a, a legit team. They're a legit top 25 team. I'm glad and I'm happy to see them finally getting what they deserve. They deserve to be there. And I think it's only going to go up from here with them. Um, uh, and then 
again, with Virginia Tech, I think this season's pretty much over. You can kiss the Coastal goodbye. I think this is a two-team race now. I, I think the Coastal's over, if I'm being honest. Like, I understand your – I appreciate your love for the Who's. But we're talking about a pitch that hasn't. I love your who's right now, dude. I love them. Do you really think Pitt's losing twice in the ACC? Like, if they beat Clemson this weekend, it's definitely over. Because they got Miami at home, Uh at Duke, North Carolina at home. After North Carolina plays Wake in a short week, Virginia at home at Syracuse. If they beat Clemson this weekend, I don't think they're losing twice. I don't think he's beating them either to be honest, but even, even if Virginia does, like even if your confidence level is where it's at and Virginia wins, right? I don't see them losing twice in the cold. I think, again, I could be wrong. I mean, Pitt is famous for doing Pitt stupid stuff, but I think Pitt's like, Pitt normally screws up twice a year, right? Loses two games they shouldn't. They've already done one of those though. And they should be favored in every game moving forward. They Can lost I, the I- so, oh, wait, I, never mind. So, like, they already have their one stupid loss with Western Michigan. So now they get one more uh, if, if, we're, if history is repeating itself with Pitt. And that would, it would, again, I would not be shocked if Pitt decides to screw around and lose to Duke or lose to Syracuse or lose to Miami or even lose to Clemson when they're a favorite this weekend. That opened at a three and a half and four or a four point spread, by the way, in favor of Pitt. But I don't think that they're going to lose twice. So that's the only reason why I think it's over. Again, if Clemson beats Pittsburgh this weekend, it is it is like Virginia now controls their destiny. They really do because it, there's the the two teams that have two losses left in the ACC Coastal, Miami tiebreaker on. North Carolina's got three losses, so again, control your own destiny. You've got you control the destiny against Duke. You would you, obviously if you beat Georgia Tech, you would control the, your destiny against them, and you still have Virginia Tech and Pitt on your schedule. So if you Virginia Tech's got two losses, wait, one loss in the ACC, yeah, one loss in the ACC. So again, two losses for both of those teams, but Virginia would have the tiebreaker on both if they went out. So then, yes, the door is back open, but I think Pitt has to lose once to even open that door first before I say that it's a two-team race. To be honest, though, again, Virginia's not out, but then again, Virginia Tech's not out then at that point because if you if you're basically predicting that, you're almost saying Pitt's going to lose twice anyways, and that means Virginia Tech has to lose again, which again, very possible it's going to happen. But then that would reopen the door to Virginia Tech controlling their own destiny. So that's again. Let's just talk about my who's since we're already. Kind yeah, of this about is a that. great. This is a great let's transition. Just, let's just segue over that. Yeah. Gosh damn it, Nick! I didn't watch a single minute of this game live because I, I was tailgating in Iowa City. I, I wanted to really enjoy the atmosphere when you have a number number two team in the country and you haven't been number two in a very long time. Tailgates are a good time. Let me tell you that. And, I, and Iowa, the Midwest in general, I'll give the Big Ten credit. They know how to tailgate. I'm talking brats. I'm talking beer. I'm talking more beer. I'm talking more brats. Incredible way to tailgate. So I was, again, just notifications on my phone. And I didn't even have the service to really watch it if I wanted to. But I was really enjoying those notifications. Seven or three nothing, 10 nothing, 17 nothing, 24 nothing. Like I watched the condensed game. And I mean, I will say Duke had some opportunities and they went for it a lot on fourth down. And Virginia stood. You know, missed field goal, a fumble, and like, like literally at the very end of the game on the goal line that Virginia recovered like the, to keep the shutout. Virginia bent but not broke. And again, like Virginia's offense, the weather, especially in that second and third quarter based off the condensed game, looked awful. It was pouring. And you know what Virginia said? We don't give a shit. 
we're going to throw the ball, we're going to throw it again, and we're going to throw it again. And I'll give Virginia Tech credit. They did not completely limit Mateo Durant. I mean, he had 85 yards. But that's the, I think it's the first, second time this year that, that Durant has not hit 100 yards. So credit to Virginia because they've been burned by good rushers. So, I mean, Virginia is trending in the right direction. If they beat Georgia Tech next weekend, I'm willing to hear out your potentially ranked again. I'm still not jumping on the bandwagon just yet because you blow out Duke because, let's be honest, North Carolina did that as well. But, I mean, again, great job, Virginia. I mean, thank you for not making me sweat at Kinnick Stadium during, like, pregame for the Iowa-Purdue game. I could just kind of enjoy the notifications on my phone and not wondering what the heck's going on in Charlotte. So. Oh, man, I love your who's so much. And especially hey, Nick, because... Nick, 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 if you love them so much, let me ask you a quick question before you go into this. Yeah. Who would you take on a neutral field, Virginia versus NC State, if you love them so much? Because I'm taking NC State. I can tell you that right now without even question. I, I'm taking NC State by probably six or seven points. Okay. Yeah. Um, I like that. that. I think that number would have been higher last week. But, I mean credit i know duke isn't very good they're starting to look like the team that i thought they might have been but they i will still say they're better than last year but man your defense showed up like zero points against duke i know it's nothing to be you know excited about but you you gave up zero points to a conference rival in the power five that is a more improved offense duke is a better scoring yeah, they have been like 28 against Charlotte, 40. I mean, North Carolina A&T, but 45, 30 against Northwestern, 52 against Kansas. I mean, the only time that they've been held under 20, under actually, uh, really under, hold on, under 28 or 27, excuse me, was North Carolina in a 38 to 7 win. But again, 48 nothing, bigger gap. <laughs> so I will say, yeah. shout out to Virginia's defense. They made plays when they had to. They, they, made they Duke stepped up. They made Duke do things unorth like unorthodox for them. Like I will give Virginia credit there for sure. Listen, this is why I'm so high. Okay, first of all, again, I'm going to keep saying this. I don't know why people aren't talking about him more. They, the name is starting to come up a little bit more in conversations. But when you think about – forget running backs and wide receivers, okay? If you were going to pick a quarterback, to win the Heisman, who are your top five? Because Brennan Armstrong's in my top five. He's probably my top three or two right now. I think you could go Matt Corral and then Brennan Armstrong. I think Matt, Brennan Armstrong is legit one of the best quarterbacks in the country. He is so good. He had a little bit of a quiet one, but again, you know, they ran the ball. Uh, but when 364 yards is one of your quiet games, that's, that's telling you something, man. This kid is so good. And I'll tell you again why I'm so high on your hoos. Because Virginia, they've got Georgia Tech next, right? I'm hoping that's a win. They got BYU and Notre Dame out of conference games before they have to play Pitt. I think Pitt could feel that pressure of, okay, Virginia, they're going to probably beat Georgia Tech, and they don't have any conference games until they play us. So we better strap it up and win these next two ball games or next three ball games. So 
I'm not, I, I think Pitt's, Pitt definitely controls their own destiny, but they're feeling, a, I bet you they feel a little bit of pressure on Virginia right now. Uh, I love Virginia. I love Virginia so much. Um, I think the schedule really benefits them. I know the schedule benefits for Pitt, but you never know. They could be feeling that pressure of winning these conference games because Virginia's got an easy conference game next and then two out-of-conference games that will not matter in the Coastal. And I bet you, look, the top 25 road is starting right now. Virginia, mark my words, Virginia's the next ACC team to be in the top 25 because I think Pitt is going to beat Clemson, and I think Virginia will beat Georgia Tech. I think they will beat BYU. And who knows with Notre Dame? I think it's a little too soon to predict that yet. I want to see Notre Dame play some more. I know they had the bye this week. But uh, they're, they're the next top 25 team in the ACC. I promise you that. Um, as for Duke, they're starting to take steps back. It was a little disappointing. Um, who do they got next? Uh, oh, they got Wake Net. No, wait, are they on the bye? Yeah, so they're on the bye this week, and then they have to uh, go to Winston-Salem. So the, Duke's got a tough stretch, man. I don't know. It's Wake, Pitt, Virginia Tech, Louisville, Miami. Yeah, I mean, Duke's, Duke's done. Any bowl game hope is done now. I mean, now, Duke, now if you're Duke, I mean, I think your like, best your best thing for a win right now is Virginia Tech, and that's going to be tough. I, I think. I think. Tech. Well, I think Duke, if you're smart, is you talk to Cutcliffe, you tell him, hey, like we got to start going in a different direction. You've done amazing things for us, but like we need a change. Like, you know, this like we're constantly waiting thing is kind of over at this point. Like, yeah, we got to make a change. Like, and there's gonna be a lot of change, but like Duke's not gonna be competing for the candidates that USD and LSU are anyways. So like, why not go into the field right now, and and basically go out there have Cutcliffe saying I'm retiring after this year. I'm stepping down. Whatever term he wants to use. I think if you're Duke, you keep him around as some sort of advisor in some sort of advisory role, like just to kind of have him see some stuff at Duke or at least have him assist with hiring a new candidate. But, I mean, it's just, you know, that's that's the only way I could see Duke maybe having some magical run is if they know, like, this is cuts, like, last year. It's, it's for sure over, like, and then it's the whole let's play for our head coach guy because I know for a fact, the guys that are at Duke love Tuckcliffe more than anything in the world. So, like, not saying that they're not trying now, but, like, they would definitely give everything that they have to make sure they send that guy off as a winner. So, yeah. I mean, that's, if – It's probably your best bet. Yeah. I mean, if LSU can already let go of Ed Orgeron at the end of the season after a top 20 win, I, I, for, I mean, I, I thought – Coach O saved his job for at least a few more weeks after that win against Florida. But if LSU can do that, I mean, dude, Duke, you can obviously do that with how long you've kept Cutcliffe around. And it's just been downhill ever since. Yes, you're a more improved team than last year. But look, you got the best team in the ACC next at Wake. You have to play the best team in your division after that. Your best chance at another win is probably at Virginia Tech, which is very, very hard, or maybe when Louisville comes to you. Other than that, I don't see them being Miami. And maybe if their defense shows up, maybe they can rattle Cunningham, but I don't see that happening either. Duke, 
I think it's time to move on. I think you're right, Micah, when you say keep Cockcliffe on, let him. I think Cockcliffe deserves to finish the season as the head coach for after what he's done. And I'll admit, I in the preseason, I was a little hard on Cockcliffe, but looking back on it, he really gave the team a lot of hope in the beginning of the season. Uh and you look back at and the Duke's year. Been competitive. The, they're they're competitive. The good years have been. They've been competitive. The they're good competitive years now. I mean, they, they I mean, are. They're yeah. Still beating. They're still. I mean, yes, they're struggling right now. I mean, Virginia, like Virginia, blew them out, and obviously North Carolina had a pretty good day with them. But like, they're competitive with Georgia Tech. They are beating Northwestern. They are beating Kansas. You're, yeah, you lost to Charlotte. Like you know, there's for a Duke program like three wins was kind of a good season for a long time there. And they're already there. Yeah. <laughs> and they're still, again, we don't maybe, I, I don't know if I see another win for sure. Like, like you said, their best, their best chance might be a Virginia tech team if they've quit. Or, I mean, again, maybe like wake forest give everything they have against, you know, army and then it's sleepy wake. Maybe like, again, I don't think that would be the case, but that's the only way I could see like Duke's not going to be favored moving forward. But they're no. already at the three-win threshold that they would, you know, normally be at. So again, like, I mean, again, the fact that even again, this was it's way. I mean, it's crazy to think that was 2013. Which, by the way, this weekend kind of brought it up. My uh, my girlfriend texted me. Uh, she was in a wedding, but she texted me at halftime of Virginia game. They're doing so well, and I'm like, yeah, I don't feel comfortable about it. And she's like, why would you not feel comfortable about being up 34 nothing at the half? I was like, well, in 2013. Granted, it wasn't 34 to nothing, but I was in attendance sitting three rows behind Duke's bench when Duke rallied from down 20 to beat Virginia. That was the year they won the Coastal, and that was the game that sparked you know, Duke's run to winning the Coastal and then giving Johnny Manziel all they could have in the Peach Bowl. So it was like that kind of sparked the reminder of 2013. But, I mean, that's 2013. Like, and, and the more I – this is, this is aging myself, but, and again, Nick, like 2013 is eight years ago now. So like yeah. we're long removed. Like every team in the coastal has won the coastal more recently than them, right? They have mm-hmm. has to be right. Unless Georgia Tech, yeah, because twenty. Well, no, no, because twenty twenty was or twenty twelve was Georgia Tech, wasn't it? Because twenty twenty never happened. So nineteen was Virginia, eighteen was Pitt, seventeen was Miami, sixteen was Carolina, fifteen was Tech. Oh yeah, no. So fourteen would have been, wow. Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. that's nuts. But anyways, also I want to give a quick shout out because you know, you're, you're hyping the UVA rank train. There was one AP voter that ranked Virginia this week. So I just want to give a that's right. quick yeah. shout out to my guy. Hold on. Let me grab his name. Andy Greeter, Greeter. Hopefully it's Greeter from the St. Paul pioneer press. He's a Minnesota beat writer. So shout out golden gopher nation for uh, the respect, I guess, of ranking Virginia. I also think it's really funny because he didn't rank Purdue and Minnesota beat Purdue. So like, I kind of thought he would be like everybody else that would rank Purdue. So uh, respect for the respect for the ranking. He also, you know, I think you might like this. He had wake at 16 and stayed at 17. This guy's a, this guy's an ACC homer. He's got 14 or five. Yeah. 14s in the ACC rank. So shout out mm-hmm. to shout out to this guy. He had pit at 22. So good stuff. Whoa. There's, there's some, ball- I just now noticed there's some ballots that have Clemson, ranked higher than state no that's not true they have them at 17 but they have state at 13 so um interesting interesting anyway, anyway i love looking at this graphic shout out reddit college football for the the weekly graphic of everybody's rankings but 
Um, anyways, shall we, uh, shall we move on? Let's move on. All right. Well, let's, let's, I'm going to save the best game. Well, maybe not the best game for last, but the, the closest game for last. That wasn't Friday night. But let's talk your, your pack and Boston College. The only thing I want to say on this game is I think the recipe is out there for Boston College, like of how to be successful against them. NC State's got some dudes. I'm going to, again, if it weren't for the fact that Clemson's defense is literally winning every game for them, I would almost hop on your bandwagon if NC State has the best defense in the ACC. But NC State actually has some offensive support to save that. NC State's win this weekend, they were dominant the whole game, so I'm not trying to take anything away from them. It felt a little fluky, though, in terms of just like, it felt like the ball was truly bouncing in NC State's way. I mean, we're talking about defenders for Boston College running into each other on a touchdown. The uh, touchdown, was it Thayer Thomas that caught it? Where he pinned mm-hmm. it against the back of the receiver? Or like, you know, like where like the receiver literally thought it was broken up, or I think the DB, excuse me, thought it was broken up. Like he stopped and just Thayer Thomas is running another five yards for a touchdown on the first. Oh, touchdown. you mean the the first? No, that was that was Devin Carter. Devin Carter, Devin Carter. That's right. That's right. I was listening to the game driving back from, uh, or I watched the second half, but I was listening to the first half driving back from Iowa City. Um, but yeah, again, that was like all the touchdowns, the the safety, great defensive play again, way to pin them back. Like it just felt like, again, it felt like NC State was in control the whole game, so they deserved to win the game without a doubt. It just felt weird though, because it just kind of felt like the times that NC State did score just didn't feel like you ever like feel like you've earned a touchdown compared to like you just got a touchdown. I feel like they were just getting touchdowns. They were just getting points. They weren't earning them on that specific play, but they were the better team throughout. Like I was very impressed because NC state did not fold and they did exactly what NC state needs to do moving forward and not do this Mississippi state bullshit where they just like come out flat. You punch Boston college in the mouth right away on your first drive. Boston College retaliates with a touchdown on their first, or for either their very first drive or the first drive afterwards. I can't remember who got the ball first, but you know we're talking seven-seven. What does NC State do? They don't give up. They just keep pounding and pounding and because you're the better team. Like NC State talent-wise is probably this, like team and talent all mixed together is probably the probably the best team in the ACC right now because they have a good defense, they have a good quarterback, the offense is good. I actually trust them. No offense to Wake, but I actually trust NC State a little bit more than I trust Wake. Like, it's like they they weren't overly impressive, but the fact that they weren't overly impressive played a very good, or I don't say good, but a, again, seven, eight, middle of the pack ACC team on the road, and what honestly should be a trap spot in a sense for the pack. They win by twenty six, like it was never in doubt. So that there's got to be something to say for that for sure. And again, they just, I think they just gave away the recipe for how to beat Boston College because Grissel couldn't really do much. They couldn't run the ball. They just locked, they locked down Levy and, and Flowers in the passing game. It, it was, it was a very impressive performance all around by the pack. Yeah. I think what took the wind out of the sales for Boston College was, uh, Boston College was driving down the field and they go, they try, what was it? Wasn't it? Yeah. They try to throw a touchdown um, and state broke it up. So then it was fourth down and they missed an easy field goal. And that was towards uh, right before state 
kick their field goal to end the second half or end of the first half. So I think that's what really like took the win out of the sales for Boston college when you're trying to retaliate, not only retaliate, but take a touchdown lead. Um, I, and then it swings the other way where t- state takes a three point lead in the locker room. Um, now I, I, I want to say now this is a three team race in the Atlantic. I'm not, I'm more confident in saying that than I ever was before. It's starting to shape like that. I know BC still has to play Wake Forest at the end of the season, and who knows what will happen there. But when it's tough, I don't see BC getting first in the Atlantic anymore because you lost to Clemson, and and now you lost to State. Those two teams are going to be ahead of you, and it's going to be hard for both of those teams to – lose twice in order for you to take a step forward in the Atlantic division. So um, as for state, this is the win that they needed. They needed to show like, Hey, after that Louisiana tech sleeper of a game hung hangover game after Clemson uh, the bye week really helped. And they went out and punched Boston college right in the face. Um, They needed a win against a, decent team like this like a they needed an ass whipping to prove that they're legit to prove that moving forward we're not intimidated by anybody else right now um this is a great win for state i'm very happy i couldn't be happier how it turned out i mean everybody was clicking offense defense uh the safety was great shout out isaiah moore in a couple of my classes at state had an interception um, that was really cool to see. Um, I mean, everyone just played really, really well, loved it. Um, and this is going to be a very scary team moving forward. I, I truly believe that again, not getting too optimistic NC state still knows how to do their NC state things, but this is our best start since, uh, the 2018 season, which is good. Uh, that team had nine wins on the season and went to the Gator bowl. So, Let's let's keep it going. I love where this team is at right now. They they definitely control their own destiny at the moment until they have to play Wake. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, it'll be. I mean, state again. They 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 control their destiny because if they beat Wake, then they're in. Like that's kind of the pretty much the yeah. Like you know, obviously they have to win out too. But I mean, if they win out, they are of course going to be in the championship game, which would be awesome. Let's talk your uh, triangle rival, though, and this will be the last game of the day before we kind of wrap things up here a little bit. North Carolina beating Miami 45-42. to All I have to say is North Carolina is not very good. Yeah. I, I, you know, Miami's not very good either, but at the end of the day, I'm almost giving Miami an excuse at this point because they're just using freshmen. Their leading rushers is – a very fantastic – the future of Miami is kind of bright. If this is, like, the Miami team – like, we got freshmen right now out here competing with Virginia and North Carolina. So, the future for Miami is looking bright. That's why I'm almost like – no matter what happens with Miami this year, I almost say keep the edge, to be honest with you, because it just looks promising. But, I mean, Jalen Knight, 92 yards, two touchdowns on 17 attempts. Tyler Van Dyke is 20 of 45 for 264. He threw three picks. That is obviously a little alarming, but he was trying to force stuff late. I mean, you kind of have to give him some credit there. 
I mean, Sam Howell. Okay, you ready? I don't, I don't know if this is a hot take anymore. Sam Howell is not a top five quarterback in the conference. I'm not. I'm not overly impressed. Like, may, maybe I should be taking it out on his receivers, but I don't know why I should. It's not like they're dropping a ton of balls. Like, no, Chandler had two touchdowns. Yeah, you kidding me? Like, I'm not impressed at all with what I'm seeing from Sam Howell. Like, if you want to look me dead in the eye and try to tell me this season Sam Howell is better than Devin Leary, Sam Hartman, Kenny Pickett, Brennan Armstrong, who am I forgetting? Cunningham. Cunningham, Malik Cunningham. I mean, you could, again, that's just five. Like, I could, we could probably go further. I mean, it's nuts. Like, Sam Howell has the most pro ups. Like, this Sam Howell is kind of reminding me of Mitch Trubisky. Like, has so much potential and a lot of hype. But right now, I'm not seeing it. Like, I understand that North Carolina didn't sling the rock a ton this weekend. Like, they, you know, like they're not getting in the 40. I mean, Tyler Van Dyke threw the ball 40 times. Howell threw it 26. But again, I mean, that just kind of tells you, too, that North Carolina realizes maybe we shouldn't throw the ball that much. <laughs> like, he's, he's being more productive with his legs, to be completely honest with you. It's, it's alarming. Like, North Carolina right now is 4-3. and three. I'm going to read off the rest of their schedule, and you tell me if you think, based off what we saw, because we did, we did this last week, so we're going to do a quick exercise real quick. Based off what they have left, if you think they're, if they're going to win two of these games and go bowling. At Notre Dame, so they have a bye week. Then at Notre Dame, Wake at home, short week Thursday at Pitt, Wofford at your pack on the short week. Wofford. I think two and, I think two and three is possible. Very, very possible. Yeah. But I'm not favoring them at Notre Dame. I'm not favoring them at home against Wake right now. I'm not favoring them at Pitt, and I'm not favoring them at State. Like, I, I mean, yes, uh, they beat Miami, so like their their bowl, like their bowl stuff is still very promising. They would have lost I, but over over, but the way they looked, like they they kept their bowl hopes alive without giving me any more confidence that they're a bowl team. Yeah, I I think that's a great way to put it. Um. Yeah, looking at their schedule, I, I, I don't know how Miami came back in this game. I literally went upstairs to go take a shower, and then all of a sudden I saw Miami lost by three. I was like, how the hell did they come back? That was crazy. Um, they had a chance to win it. Like, that's the yeah. part. It, was like, it wasn't even like, you know, like it wasn't like some Kentucky-type bullshit against Georgia where they're calling timeouts with seven seconds left to cover. Like, they legit had a chance to win the game. I feel yeah. so bad for my buddy Hayden who went to that game, fifth quarter CCU. Like, that's the most Miami thing to do. You give the fan base hope, and then you're like, nah, it's fine. We're not going to finish this. Like, I mean, again, shout out to Miami. Like, I'm going to read you Miami slate. You tell me who, who, you, who you think is a better chance to go bowling. I don't know if either one of them go bowling, to be honest. But Miami's remaining schedule, they're two and four grand, so they have to win four games. So <laughs> good luck. But here's their remaining schedule. Your pack at home, at Pitt, Georgia Tech at home, at Florida State, Virginia Tech at home, at Duke. I think Miami I'm, has a better one. I'm yeah, I'm gonna say I'm willing to say I'm more confident in Miami going four and two in the remaining six games than I am North Carolina. 
winning two games in <laughs> Bro, isn't that like the crazy? Like people might think we're crazy, but it's true. That is so true. Miami still has a better shot. Like I like agree right with now, you. Like right now, I think Miami would win at Duke. They would win at home against. If that game was at Georgia Tech, I'd probably pick Georgia Tech outright. But right now, I'll give Miami just a little bit of an advantage at home against Georgia Tech, just because. Not that Miami gets advantages of playing like in terms of their type of crowd per se, but Georgia Tech, their crowd is awesome at home. So like, that would be a struggle to go there. I think they're going to beat Florida State because I just, it's the most Miami thing in the world to go to Florida State and beat them when, you know, kind of Florida State's, even though they're not good, is trending up right now where Miami's trending down. If Virginia Tech has quit, that's probably your fourth win right there. <laughs> And like, yeah, I, I, that, I mean, again, I'm not trying to to put any fear into your into your, into your thought. I think NC State will win, but are we going to completely rule out Miami at home against NC State? No, with NC State being ranked, and we just know history loves to be a, a bitch, and it's a night game in Miami, so should be a decent atmosphere. Like, it's again, I, I think I think State should handle business, but it's not completely like. I feel more confident of Miami beating NC State at home than NC State losing at home against North Carolina later in the year. I feel more confident that, you know, because, like, I'm trying to think of, like, common opponents that are left for these teams. Like, like North Carolina just, like, they just don't have a lot going for them schedule-wise. Like, you had your easy opponents. Now it's Miami's turn to get some easy ones. Like, yes, North Carolina has the head-to-head at the end of the day. But do you think that Miami wins that game if it's at home? I think they do. I think I think the score gets flipped. I think it's 45-42 Miami at home. Like it's it's crazy. Like Nick, what happens? Because I mean, I don't know if you want anything more on this game per se, but I kind of want to create one last like conversation topic. How crazy is it is it gonna be when we're going into the last week of the ACC slate? And Miami is five and six going to Duke. So the triangle region, Friday and Saturday, five and six, Miami, five and six, North Carolina. Obviously, both teams are going on the road. One's playing Duke, one's playing State. What happens when both those teams lose and our preseason coastal favorites, the two preseason coastal favorites, don't even make a bowl game? And you know the best part? It's going to be the ACC sucks on the national media. I know I want to say to those people. Fuck you, because it's not. It just shows you that the rest of the ACC has gotten better. Congrat- like, and it's not my fault or your fault or anyone else's fault that the national media wanted to hype up North Carolina and Miami this year. There's no excuse for them being five and seven, to be honest with you, based off the talent they do have. But at the same time, when people were saying 10 and two and 11 and one and even maybe 12 and 0 oh and nine and threes, like it seemed a little optimistic. And right now it's kind of showing. So, I mean, what, what a crazy world. Like we could potentially have Miami and North Carolina missing a bowl game. And I'm going to be honest, Nick, I'm doing my bowl projections after we get off this pod. I think I'm not putting Miami and North Carolina in bowl games. I didn't have them in bowl games last week, but like I kind of was looking back on like maybe I should have had at least North Carolina in there. Now I'm definitely leaving them out. Yeah, that that's not out of the realm either. That Carolina and Miami could both not make a. Bowl what happens game. if Virginia Tech doesn't either? Like what, dude? If then the it's three, like, like, I mean, I think the Hokies have enough talent, but again, so does Miami and North Carolina. 
Like, I mean, let's again, you know, at this point, let's have some fun. Let's do a quick, like, not obviously every single team. Well, how do you think we're going to finish? Because that, that's, we don't have time for that. But let's do a quick, like, just some of the teams that are kind of like on the cusp. Virginia Tech right now is three and three. They have Syracuse at home. They have at Georgia Tech, at BC on a short week, Duke at home, at Miami, at Virginia. Are they winning three games in that slate? Yes. Yeah. Who, are they, who, who do you have them getting? Syracuse, I'm assuming, at home. I think, I think they beat Sir- Duke, yeah. And then that means they have to get one of at Georgia Tech, at BC on a short, at Miami, or at Virginia. I think it's either going to be um, either Georgia Tech or BC. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. Okay, so It's either Georgia Tech or BC. They get that other so one. So Virginia Tech is still going. But let's be honest. If they lose to Syracuse, it's over. Like, you can't tell me that team's not going to play. Oh, no, if they lose to Syracuse, it is over. Yes, you're right. <laughs> like, But I, again, I still think Virginia crazy. Tech goes bowling. I mean, that's just, like, that's that's crazy to me. I mean, again, like, oh, whew, what a what a time to be alive, I guess you could say, in, in ACC territory. So I think BC is safe for a bowl game right now. So their schedule is not much easier, but they should make a bowl game. I mean – Coastal chaos is one thing. This is like coastal crap chaos. <laughs> yeah, so honestly. This is – There might – is it possible? No, I think Virginia goes bowling. But it, it could be possible that there are only two teams out of the coastal that go bowling, Pitt and Virginia. Damn, that's that's true. I mean, like the, night, like the thing that I think saves Virginia, like as a Virginia fan, because I'm, I'm a little, like you said earlier, and I don't think you meant it the way you like were saying, you were kind of just like based off predictions, like based off spreads and stuff like that. But like, I don't think Georgia Tech's a guaranteed win for Virginia. It is at home, so that does help for sure. But even if Virginia loses that game, I still think Virginia is going to find a way to win one more between at BYU, Notre Dame at home off a of bye, at Pitt and Virginia Tech at home. So I think six and like Virginia sitting at five and two right now makes me feel pretty confident that they should get at least one more win. I'm hoping that it's this weekend against Georgia Tech, so I don't have to worry about it anymore. And if we lose out, whatever at that point, or probably like Virginia's probably going to be the underdog in every game moving forward, maybe minus Virginia Tech at home. <laughs> so, and even then, the way BYU is trending, Virginia might end up actually being a favorite in, in Provo for all we know. But especially if they beat Georgia Tech, because then they're six and two. BYU, again, has looked like dog water. I kind of want to trip the guy on Twitter that it runs fifth quarter BYU. It's like, I can't believe you leave BYU in the top ten like three weeks ago. But anyways, it's crazy week, ACC, fun week. Anything else, Nick, before we send – oh, have you send us off here? Uh, not too much else. Uh, I'm excited for the next week's slate, though. Um, I'm – I'm very – I'm actually rooting, Mike. Micah, you and I should take a stand, and I'll put it out on Twitter too when we tweet out the podcast. Mike and I both believe that Miami has a better chance going bowling than Carolina does. I think I think that's the biggest takeaway out of this podcast right now is Miami still has a better chance to go bowling than Carolina. Um, we're gonna I don't get, think we're I have get, anything we're else. We're going to get roasted. We're going to get roasted, but I don't care because, like, again. I don't care either because it's, it's, it's true. Like, I think North Carolina is better than Miami. But, again, North Carolina, you had your easy slate. Like, that, like again, as a Virginia fan, after Georgia Tech this weekend, I'm not saying Georgia Tech is an easy team, but based off what you go in, just saying this is the winnable game and this isn't. 
Georgia Tech's game, like Virginia's easy slate is over after this week with Georgia Tech. Like yeah. B- at BYU, Notre Dame, you know, Virginia Tech, which is a rivalry game, they never seem to win. And of course at Pitt, like those are tough games. Like, like as a Virginia fan, I don't want to be five and three going into those games because I can't tell you which one they're going to win if they are going to win one. Like North Carolina, your win minus Wofford, there's nothing else guaranteed to you anymore. Like, Mm-mm. I mean, you had a pretty much guaranteed win against Miami this weekend, and you still crapped the bed. You had a guaranteed win against Georgia Tech, and you still crapped the bed. Like, it was your slate's over. Like, you, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta buck up now. And nothing North Carolina has done has shown us shown us that at all. So I definitely agree. That's probably the biggest takeaway from this podcast is that. And well, screw the national media, but that's side the point. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, that about does it. I don't really have anything else unless you do. Nope. All you. Send us off. All right. Well, just means a little bit less here in the ACC. Can't wait for next week. And go ACC. Go ACC.